Some people want to make as much profit as possible. Others simply want to make the world a better place. Ian Peterman, author of the book Conscious Design and founder of the Peterman Design Firm, joins us this week to tell us just how to do both. You can find his book on Amazon and us on all podcasting and social media platforms at Plus Delta Pod. We hope you enjoy this episode. everybody welcome to another episode of jerome interrupts brian uh also known as plus delta so we've got a great guest today who's going to be sharing a lot about himself and the work that he's done and accomplished so welcome ian thanks for having me how are you doing today i'm doing pretty good it's a good day bit busy i think this is actually my third podcast recording today oh look at you Oh man, he is a working. (laughs) He's like one, two, three. (laughs) There, there was four, but one had to reschedule, so I I got a little bit less time. (laughs) Uh, Listen, hopefully you save the best for last, and we can get some things going here. Not talking smack about the other people because I don't even know who they are, but just I want to make sure that we give you a great time. Uh, Can you go ahead and start out by introducing yourself to our listeners? Yeah, so I'm Ian Peterman. I run design firm Peterman Design. And our specialty really is in being a one-stop shop, helping to launch and develop new products all the way from I have an idea and the concept stage to production, manufacturing, building supply chain, branding. We do packaging. We have mechanical and electrical design and engineering, uh, we're really, really able to be a partner for companies. Uh, we work a lot with startups, but also larger companies that don't have bandwidth. We just come in and we're able to basically build build a product and a brand around it from scratch for someone. And so I've been doing that for over 15 years in this company. I started in 2017, so it's been, it's been fun. We do do a lot of things we um we always get asked what's our industry and the answer is i'm industry agnostic i work in all of them <laughs> so we don't we don't have a specialty that way our our specialty is we know what it takes to actually commercialize a product and so that's that's our our specialty is actually turning it into something that's going to make money so that your company can exist and grow and you can get a return on the large investment it takes to make a physical product. I love it. It's like no labels. And so with the whole no label like attitude, because I just feel like it's just very fluid. How did you tell me kind of like the backstory of how you like created like the Peterman design firm? What was like your whole thought process? Uh, so I, ha- I have to go back to when I was a kid. So I started designing just stuff. I always drew stuff, designed stuff, designed spaceships when I was a kid. Uh, and I decided when I was about 12 that I wanted to do product development. I wanted to design products, make cool things. Uh, my dad did contracting work. So I was like, okay, well, I want to run my own design firm. That sounds fun. 
And then I went and got experience. I worked for worked for a few companies. I got an internship when I was 16 designing lasers, uh, which was awesome to start at. <laughs> and then I moved to HP. I designed printers for a while. I worked with a company called Barefoot Sound for a few years designing studio monitor recording studio speakers studio monitors um so and and in between that i did freelancing on the side the whole time basically since i was i started when i was about 18 and i haven't i did basically have done that the whole time so and once i got uh through the speaker company i decided to be partners uh, and start up a design firm. And so there's where I learned, you know, I, I did the product design, but my partners did things like marketing or packaging or graphic design and, and branding. And so I got to learn all the other things that go into, you know, actually commercialize a product. I could do the supply chain and all the really nerdy engineering stuff, but there's this whole other part to launching a product mm. successfully. You know, you can't just engineer it and say, oh, it's done. You, know, you have to you have to package it and you right, have to brand right. it and you have to go sell it. Um, and so that was a really amazing experience. And then uh, a couple of the partners, they wanted to go off on their own, um, change industries and stuff. And so I had a moment where I could I got a regular job briefly and I did that for a little bit. And I decided I did not like it. I wanted to get back into consulting. Um, I, I, I spent enough time designing one product day in and day out. And so that was, you know, the formation of it was I wanted to work in different industries. I enjoy being able to learn different things, work in different industries and really uh, and apply experience in different areas. So and I found that's really, really helpful is pulling in, you know, somebody that's a toy designer and sticking them on a project that's. Uh, consumer electronic because they have just a, such a different perspective with that, and so it's it allows me to do that by running my own design firm. I get a I get to pick the clients I want to work with and work on cool projects. So that's that's the lead up to how I have the firm. <laughs> so from listening to that, I feel and correct me if I'm wrong. Your job pretty much is to help market the product right whether it's from the building stage of the product or the company and how to promote it or design it a little better you kind of do a little bit of all the parts of that correct yeah we between myself and our my team we touch pretty much every area so we'll do the technical part of yeah we got to do some engineering we got to find manufacturers build supply chain and then we also we also ask the questions early on of, hey, do you have a market? <laughs> Can you does it does anybody actually want to buy your product? Because at the end, you know, it, it really sucks. And I've I've seen people go through the process of developing a product, mm -hmm. and then nobody nobody actually buys it. And so mm -hmm. my because I, we I know the whole process. I'm able to ask the questions earlier that help people guide because sometimes it's, it's not that the product is a bad idea it just needs some minor tweaks to it in order to be something that could sell you could be you know an inch off but if you're an inch off nobody might want it millions of money exactly and if you're spending a bunch of money on the process like i want my clients to be successful i want their products to launch and so 
and make money. Like I want them to be able to come back and say, I want another product or we want to do a version two or, or a new product. And no one's going to do that if they can't get one off the ground in the first, <laughs> the first time. It's, it's very disappointing. So now I'm going to kind of quiz you, I guess, a little bit. So you're... You gotta tell him how to do his job, Brian. Like no, that's not what I'm you, 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 che- you checking it? <laughs> no. So I, I guess my thought process is: so your job, like you say, you go through and ask the people the questions about their product or about their idea and whatever else, and kind of question them of, hey, why should somebody pick you? Why should somebody buy your product? Et cetera, et cetera. So I ask you: why should people pick Peterman Designs for that? Then how do you sell yourself? into their process so we the way i sell myself is that i'm an end-to-end partner so there there literally isn't a area i can't either find an expert or already have an expert on staff in order to accomplish and it's it's really comes down to explaining especially to startups the whole idea of like one person in their garage making a successful product isn't real. Like you can get to a Mm -hmm. working prototype. You can have the great startup story where you started in the garage, but in order to really commercialize a product, you're going to end up having several companies manufacturing different Mm -hmm. components. There's no such thing as a supply chain of one. You know, there's a great example is a, Ticonderoga pencil, right? It has, I think it's four mm-hmm. pieces. It has four components to it. It also comes from three continents and it requires mm-hmm. like 10 companies because there's shipping, there's distribution, there's shipping between, you know, you have mm-hmm. the lead in one place, then you put it with the wood, you have the metal stamped one place. And then you, so it, when you think about it, that's a pencil, like that's a four component pencil. That's that, fucking pencil ever. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So, and you think about that, well, now what do you think your phone is? You know, think about an iPhone, right? Now, now you multiply that by a factor of 500 because it has way more components. There's, it's, it's a lot more complicated. And so it's helping people to understand it takes, it takes a village (laughs) to make a product. Mm -hmm. Uh, You, you cannot do this alone. And there's a lot of I save people a lot of time because I already have the resources. I already I have connections for manufacturing in several on well four continents. I have I have the connections for testing. I have the resources for design. And it's yeah, for me, it's I've been building a network for over 15 years of, of working with these mm-hmm. people. So that means that when I say, yeah, we should work with this company. I might have actually been using them for 15 years. I can I can vouch that they actually know what they're doing. Right. And we're going to have something good and they're going to have good feedback. And that that is where my value comes in is I have a network and I know all the steps between, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at in the process. Right. I can tell you what all the rest of the steps are all the way to making money. And that's a road, it's a, it's an expensive thing yeah. to learn on your own. <laughs> Honestly, it sounds like a great support system, like yeah. that you're creating for your um. What's the word I'm looking for? I'm, I am not from the business world, so when it comes to like technical terms, like the person that is coming to you to 
Market, market client yes that's the word what are words <laughs> so yes yeah, so it seems like that you're literally creating like a support system for the client on whatever they need to be successful so you have created this network through all of the things through the supply chain through marketing through design through creating products and you're like all right I got these team of people. What do we need to do? But in order for you to do all that, you need to know yourself. What do you know about your product that you're trying to sell? Yeah, and and think about what do you want your product to do? What do you what do you want? And one of the big things I I bring up is like, what's the impact? What is your what is, what is your legacy you're trying to leave behind? With if you don't ask them, you're going to end up with something. And you don't know. <laughs> it'll be random. It'll it'll be surprise. This is this is what you get at the end. And nobody really likes those surprises. So it's it's all about asking the right questions and having the network to go, okay, great. You just told us what you want. Now these are the people, this is the long list of people that we need mm-hmm. for your project. And that's what and then I end up managing that. And that's really you know, so, you know, if we were to summarize in a couple words, I'm, I'm basically a, a project manager with a ready built team for first companies to develop. You know, I'm so thankful. I'm glad that the answer that you gave is the answer that you gave for a number of reasons, but like the more personal response, um, I don't know if you know this, but Jerome and I are both teachers and what I teach is college and career readiness, starting at the middle school level. So it's very basic, but it is starting that thought process. And right now my students are in the middle of working on a project and practicing doing like resumes and cover letters and whatever, talking about what job they want in the future. And I have a number of students that have said, oh, when I grow up, I want to start a business. And usually when I ask them why is because I can do it by myself and work completely independently and I don't have to work with anybody, just do it with me. And I'm like, that's great, but that's not any kind of realistic. <laughs> you you got to have customers or clients at some point. Otherwise, who's going to give you money? <laughs> right. And I just even tell them like, okay, well, do you have this amount of money to start a business? No. Okay. Well, you need a bank. <laughs> you have like a building. Okay. No, that you got to work with a realtor and like all these other things that they don't realize that they need to do. So I love that when you talked about nobody can do anything by themselves, like, yes, you can probably build a product. Yes, you can have a skill, you can do whatever. But the moment that it comes time to actually market it and profit from it, you're going to need some sort of support, whether that support is two other people or a team of 20, you will need support at some point or another. Yeah, a great example. We have a a client right now, super smart guy, built a prototype. It works. I mean, it's he's he's a genius level. Like it's it's great, but he also is not doing it by himself. Like he he hired us, and we have a team. We have a team of about ten people working on the project. So it's you know you can you can get it to a certain point you know, enough to convince somebody here, put money into this idea or mm-hmm. be able to explain it. Right. Cause you do have to, you do have to have it to a point where you can explain exactly what you want and say, Oh, this is, this is my idea. This is how I want it to work. But after that, it's, it's definitely a support, a support team is needed to be successful in a reasonable amount of time. I mean, maybe you could do it by yourself, but 
you have to go like learn how to code a website and how to do, you know, you, the list of things that you have to learn to be able That's to a do lot it. Technical really skills. Long. Yeah. And they're all technical skills and they take, you know, years and years to hone most of the time. So it's, you know, yeah, it's doable, but you really don't want to take a hundred years to launch your product. <laughs> And then it's not always sustainable too, right? Because if you start doing that oh, and yeah. then eventually you're like, okay, well, I want to retire, but oh, wait, I'm the one that's doing all the jobs. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> got to keep going if I still want the money. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. You got to like outsource and everything. So then how do, when you are dealing with clients, how do you deal with personally, or it doesn't even have to be personally, just even from, um, kind of like a group uh, perspective of like the success and failures of your clients that you deal with? Mm. Um, I mean, there's, there's always risk. So product development is, uh, it's always risky. There's, there's a lovely statistic at about 90. Last time we, we calculated it. It's about a 93% failure rate. Wait, uh, what? of product ideas and wait say that number again 93 percent fail okay now the the reasons they fail range from everything everything from uh i had an idea for a sandwich warmer which no one will buy to it's not technically feasible and somebody wants to do teleportation right now so there's you know there's there's those extremes um, but a lot of it really comes down to it takes a lot of effort. It takes money and people don't, they try to do it alone. So, or they, and they spend a lot of money on one path before they make sure that it's the right path or the right product at the right time. Cause it's not just, is it a good product? Like there's when, when I'm assessing an idea, you know, people are like, Oh, I have this idea. And most people are like, Oh, well, that's a cool idea. It warms your sandwich. Like, that's great. You know, I would like a warm sa- sandwich and that's easy. And But my criteria isn't just, is it a cool idea? It's, can you manufacture it for the right price? Is there a market for it? Is there a big enough market? Like, is the market size enough where you could be profitable on those margins? Is it something that you're going to, people will like in the future? Like how, how long is this a fad product or is this, you know, something more long-term? Does it, does it meet the current, you know, social and environmental things that people are thinking about for a product? You know, what is, mm-hmm. what is the, what are those impacts? And so there's this much longer list of criteria. And when you, when you go through it, you weed out a lot of the ideas that just, they won't make it anyway. And so you can't, you can't filter it, but it's, it's a much different process than just, ah, oh, this is cool. Like, look at, the, look at this idea. There's lots of really cool ideas that are not commercially viable. No, no one's <laughs> they're ahead of their time. They're like, this is a great idea, but we're not ready for that. Nobody, nobody really wants that. It'd be like, oh, the Dreamcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's like, you know, virtual VR headsets. We've had those for a long time. They're still not super popular yet. So there's there's always like those technologies and, and ideas. And it's not that they're bad. They're just, it's not the right time. The market isn't 
ready for it. And so there's there's a lot of factors to put into deciding should you actually invest today to launch the product. Ooh. So okay. I'll, I'll throw it out there. I know your, your wheels are spinning. You're thinking. Yes. Yes, I, I am thinking. I'm all like, oh, okay. I, I haven't thought about this. So then what is the, if you're able to tell me, uh, you know, show me your cars, Batman. What is in right now, like for the market or what are people looking for? What do you think based on your perspective? I I mean, right now, the the biggest things that I'm looking at, and it is part of why I wrote the book that I did, is people are really thinking about what is the social good? What is the social impact of the brand they're supporting? So that's been a huge, and I, I even, I just talked to um, a branding agency that all they do is specialize in social first brands because it's so it's so important and 2020 for mm-hmm. all the crappy things that happened it also gave this huge awakening to like why do we have racist packaging still why why do, why do we have these things that are not okay that we're still just kind of like bumbling along for and so that shift you know it, people aren't always still thinking or talking about but it's made a huge impact in what companies are starting up. There's more startups now that have a social component attached to their brand. And it's becoming by default now, it's it's really approaching the point where if you want to start a company now, you have to be, well, what's your environmental impact and stance? What's your mm-hmm. social impact and stance? And you know, that's just that's just to start a brand. That doesn't even matter what the product is. That's just kind of a point and so really what what i'm seeing is that there's a shift to how can we make products that are positively impacting that's the other thing is like well we stopped doing yes doing bad things is bad but not doing bad things is not the same as doing good things so there's right right. (laughs) you know not doing bad things is just neutral you're just sitting there neutral and like that's Mm -hmm not good either like that's that's not um you know it's the, not the, effective. the extreme case that i that i tell people when they're like well but not doing bad is okay I'm like well that's how the nazis came to power so not doing nothing yeah, yeah is absolutely for bad because there's other people doing things that are bad so Unless you, you know, and it's, envi- you know, if somebody's destroying the environment over here and nobody's doing anything positive it's still a net negative. Like it's still, you have to look at the system overall. And so as designers, like we've kind of ignored a little bit. We're like, eh, well, we're designing okay things. We're designing good things, but we're not really designing great things. We're not making products that are carbon negative. Like how do we do that? How do we make something that actually is a really positive impact Mm -hmm. socially or environmentally to try to actually make headway rather than treading water. And I think that's, right. people are starting to see that. And so the, the companies that are doing that, that are, hey, we're, we donate for you know water conservation. We 
donate for taking care of underserved populations. You know, those kinds of things are really striking a chord with with the average consumer, which is amazing because that mm-hmm. you know the average consumer is what determines what's popular and what what we sell and buy. So that shift is making it something where the conversation I have with people like, well, what, what is the impact you want to have? There's a lot of better answers now <laughs> than there were, you know, in 2019 even. So yeah. it's, it's, you bring up a like, good point. And because... people are coming to me thinking like, how do we make, how do I make my product better? How do we make my product mm-hmm. socially, you know, positive in some way? What can we tie to it? What, how do we make our product really environmentally friendly? Like that's, that I've seen an increase in that, and it's it's great. I and we need to keep going. I, we have a long ways to go, so it's got to keep going that way. I think, like you said too, 2019, 2020 brought up a lot of terrible things, and yeah, let's not go in the run of that. But I feel like at the same time, because we had so much time to sit there and look back and trace and pay oh, attention, was, I feel like we, yeah, I think <laughs> we also became much more conscious of over of things throughout that time because it's like oh that is pretty terrible why was i okay with that <laughs> right. so like all, all those things come true and to create a segue here speaking of conscious you have both a podcast and a book you recently wrote by the name of conscious design so tell us a little bit about those yeah so uh, it came out of um <clears throat> 2020 I was I was basically asked the question like what what makes you unique what's what's special about your design process and that's you know it, it came at a time when I I had some time we had, we had lost quite a few clients mm. pandemic and so I had the time to sit down and go okay well what what is my design process what what is it and because every designer has our we all have our own process you know we go to school <laughs> we we learn one process but we all we're all we're unique human beings, so we kind of go through our own. We create our own process, and so sitting there thinking through that, I wrote out the Peter what I called just called the Peterman method. I felt like being lazy and named it that, <laughs> uh, and it just outlines you know basically this is regular product development process. But one of the things that I added was thinking about legacy and impact like what is what is your long-term impact and it's a question no one no one's taught you to ask at the beginning of a project but it's it's felt so important and it's something that i had started to do and it's just that like that needed needs to happen and so like well i should put this out i need to put it out there share it hopefully someone else it'll click with someone else and they'll do start doing you know i don't care rip use it use the process yourself like it just it needs to happen that question has to mm-hmm. be asked at this point uh because that's how you avoid racist packaging for 100 years so like, like that's <laughs> right know, it's it's the defense to stupid decisions that we kind of just let happen uh and then after i did that uh I decided that I, I was thinking about, you know, putting together something to just kind of outline the product development process because I've I've helped put together some educational material before and it's kind of a space that a lot of people don't address. There's like, you know, the technical skills and things like that, but not as much 
looking at the whole product development process. And then I decided, well, why don't I just bring those two together? Let's do create conscious design. Let's, you know, human centered design. It's really great. It's taught to everyone. It's also a little bit of a buzzword with no oomph behind it now. You know, everybody <laughs> checks off the box and then they continue doing what they're doing. And so my the idea behind conscious design is that we take human-centered design and we go, that's great. That helps the human, you know, ergonomically. You know, really it has to do with your physical body ergonomics. That's what human-centered design. They throw in a little bit of psychology to make you feel good, and that's about it. And so mm-hmm. what I It's wanted, forced rather than thoughtful. Yeah, and what I wanted to do was marry that with, okay, well, what about all the environmental side mm-hmm. of especially physical products? I mean, physical products have the largest impact in our lives. And so every decision we make around a product makes a giant impact. I mean, look at all of our screens. There's not much that isn't man-made sitting <laughs> sitting in behind right. us right now. Exactly. Right? Like we live we live in a man-made world. Like we build our own world. So we're in, impacting the environment at all times, no matter what. So let's think about that and human centered and then also you know social like every product has a social impact in you know the village that that's near the mining it's the city that has the manufacturing like there's always an impact to the people around your product and so i decided like well nobody's some companies are doing really good in different areas like let's i need to start putting this together and be like here here's some good examples like look at these companies see what they're doing Nobody's perfect, but how about we start thinking about design in this conscious way because we can start making progress forward. And that's mm-hmm. you know, something that some, a lot of startups, they're thinking about, like, how do we make small steps? And there's been a fear of, like, even in conversations with some of the clients I've talked with, they look at sustainable products, you know, eco-friendly products and they go, oh, it's such a huge thing. How do I make the whole thing sustainable? And it isn't that you need to make it all sustainable at the beginning, but build a roadmap for it. Like start with what you can and accept that baby steps are fine, but if you're not stepping at all, nothing's <laughs> nothing's happening whatsoever. Um, and so that, and then I, I in the book, I, I introduced the concept of, you know, legacy branding, which is basically just, your brand is going to have some sort of legacy. You're going to be remembered for something. Your brand's going to be remembered for something. Uh, what do you want to be remembered for? Like, let's let's think about that. And what kind of impact do you want your brand to have? What's the mission, real mission behind it? And really thinking about that and making the conscious decision for what do you want that to be? Because that's going to inform things like how do you design your products? How do you interact with your customers? There's a lot that if you don't think about it and you're just rushing into, oh, I got to make a product and you skip that, you're going to have to go back and fix <laughs> fix things later, most likely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's a pain. It's expensive. Uh, you end up having PR issues sometimes. Like you can just mm-hmm. avoid that by thinking about it first. Um, and then I, I will go through the product development process as thoroughly as someone would really want to in, in a reading, go through, go through the process. And I just add, you know, basically it's my process 
and there's a few changes in there. And then what I do is I ask questions around each kind of fate, each step and go, here's some things to think about. You know, what is, what is the impact here? What is, what are things to think about for each of those areas? So that when, if you're going through the process yourself, you're like, Hey, I want to, I want to make my own product company. You can go through that and read those questions and, and hopefully it'll spark some thinking of like, okay, well, how, how do I do that? How I didn't yeah. even think about that impact that a product could have. What about material selection? Like there's so much that goes into a product development. And so it's my attempt to just poke some little ideas out there and let people see it and then, and then run with it and see, see what else comes up once you start asking those questions. So oh, morally sound. And-, and, and sorry, before, before you jump in, cause I just want to like, Appreciate something that you said before you take us off on a tangent. I just love the idea of the long-term impact because I feel like mm. a lot of the times when people want to create something, it's usually either from the creative perspective of look what I can build kind of thing or right. from the business perspective of how much profit can I make? I, mean, I just want to make money. So that's why I want to start something. So those two things lead to that potential failure that you mentioned, you know, like, yeah, it's a really cool thing. Or yes, it will make you a ton of money at first. It's a long lasting or, and if it is long lasting, is it harming anything? Is it improving anything? So I definitely think that the fact that you brought up the idea of the long-term impact before this or during the process of thinking of what's going to happen first. I think that's such a powerful thing to include in that process. So I wasn't going to go off on a tangent, first of all. So (laughs) I was going to say that it definitely reminds me of you're putting the responsibility back on the uh, client or the business on what they are producing and not just on yeah and not just on the consumer which i feel like sometimes that we always put back on what does the consumer need to do to make our lives sustainable and things i think that also businesses and government also have a part to uh, play as well so i know that i love to do mock uh interviews or and or we're going yes oh can you uh like walk us through as if like brian and i are like clients and we're going to go through this design process we're going to do this literally on the fly he's trying to do like your five minute free trial by the way (laughs) you can send it to brian so (laughs) you can send the receipt to him he'll pay for it Well, I was going to say, Brian, I, we can create a product. So, like, what do you want our product to be? Or, like, and this is why I hate these because he loves coming up with, oh, we should do this on the spot. So, Brian, ask your thing. <laughs> like, I was no, well, well, okay. So, I, the first thing that came to my head, it was like, okay, I was thinking, like, how can we find, like, a radar, like, you said something with lasers earlier. I was thinking, I'm like, okay, radar. And then, and like, this totally does not make sense. And I'm a science teacher, so I'm just going with this. Um, and we're going to use some type of radar to measure, like, how each person impacts the environment. To do, some, right. type, to, to do some type of algorithm. I don't, and, and okay, like... <laughs> So that's that's where my mindset is going with. Do you, are you ready? All right, let's do it. 
Okay. All right. So I'll let you go first. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the questions to ask are, you know, what, what are you trying to achieve? Like, what, what are you trying to benefit? Who are you trying to benefit with this? Is this like to just randomly research because you can, or are you trying to drive behavioral changes with the people? Is this, you know, something that you wear on your wrist that you, it tells you with a haptic feedback that, um, oh, you're, you were bad. You, you did something to the environment. Uh, you should adjust your behavior. Like what? Yes. <laughs> yes. No, so, so, literally, okay, I was... so I'm, not, I, I'm not good at the starting idea, but I can role play from here. So, <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it is, it's going to be almost kind of like a Fitbit or an app on like a smartwatch to where it can help track that. So like how much carbon footprint I am leaving with each decision mm. that I make. Okay. So now do the question to ask would be, do people really want to know? Would you, would you buy that? So I probably would. And if I had to pick my target audience, I think I would go with like college students because I feel like most college students are starting to be more mindful of that kind of thing. And they're obsessed with apps that tell them what they're doing. Can I say millennials <laughs> or Gen Z? Yeah, uh, Gen Z or millennials, because definitely I felt like the more conscious of um, of a sustainable environment. Yeah. And climate change was definitely I mean, I know like Gen X also, but um, it was definitely more. So I felt like with uh, millennials had the big push. Now I'm on the other side of the coin. So so, so hang on. Are are you going to let him ask the questions or are you just going to ask questions yourself? No, 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 no. Because he said another question as well. So I am listening. Thank you very much. Um, he also said that, would you want to buy it? I wouldn't want to buy it because I don't know how much I'm affecting the earth. And, <laughs> uh, but, but at the same time, because it, but it'll be a realization for me to like, oh, well, maybe if there is some tips that I can put on this app or on this device, like, oh, here's some small, subtle changes that you can do that can reduce your carbon footprint. Yeah. So it, the the question is, you know, what if your goal, let's just say your goal is to reduce the carbon footprint of the average person by X percent, right? That's that's the mission. You want to reduce everybody's carbon mm-hmm. carbon footprint by ten percent, let's say over the next twelve months. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty amazing. So now it's it's thinking about you know how do you do that? Do you incentivize people, right? Because because what you say like oh, I don't know if I really want to know how bad it is because I might realize I'm terrible and yeah. then, you know, I might I might be like at a hundred pounds of of carbon a year and and all my friends are at two but then it's you know how do you how do you interact like what if your goal is to reduce everyone to to a certain number then you want to include as many people as possible so then it's thinking about how do you want them to interact with it do you want it to be personal do you want it to be community-based do you want it to be gamified you know there's is really thinking about what what kind of user experience you want to want to have with that product and and defining 
you know, how do you, how do you identify people that are interested? What is, what is the common thread between all the people who really care about this? Is it, they give to charity? Is this something that you should partner with a charity for? Is this, um, and there's even, I'll give an example of, of, if you're familiar with the company Hydro, they uh, are a rowing machine. But every like 25 days that you row, they donate to, I think, water.org. So some sort of water river charity because it's rowing. So if you want to go row in a river that isn't full of trash, you need someone to clean it up. Right. So it's tying in, well, what's the social, what's the social good that's going to happen from you doing it? And kind of, you kind of have to hit the perfect version is, well, what is you're doing some sort of social good and some sort of environmental good and you're profitable so you can stay around and keep doing the good. Like that's, <laughs> that's the right. three. And so you got to think about what, how are, how does this carbon tracking product, how would it be able to hit all three for someone and have them, you know, you, you can make money off of it, but they also can make an impact on their carbon footprint and have some sort of social good. Because everybody, like, environment is good. Everybody knows, yeah, we should be good to the environment. But social good and community is how you have long-term commitment. Because after we fix the environment or, you know, whatever whatever that looks like, we're still going to need community. We're still going to need the social. So if you're really looking long term, like you need to have all those components and we got to keep being good to the environment afterwards. So, you know, that's that's, you know, even if we fixed it, we got to not break it again. So there, these components will always be there. So it's thinking about how do you what kind of impact do you want in each of those areas? And then from there, you, st- you can start piecing together. OK, well, these are the features that we can start putting into it. Those are, you know, because that that conversation, that's that's a feature conversation. That's that doesn't really matter until you know what you want those impacts to be and how you're going to share it with them. Right. You want the more involved your customer is with your journey. And the more you combine your journey together, the more they're going to enjoy the product, the more they're going to because it matches with their values. So, you know, for for water water charity and taking care of water and access to water is your thing is your thing and that's one of the binding things well you're going to get all the people that really care about water and water access right if you are animal conservation and you're trying to you know make sure elephants are getting hunted for their tusks and wiped out well then that's a diff- maybe some of the same group, but that's a different group of people that they really want to protect animals. They want to make sure that they have a habitat and things like that. So you kind of want to you want to look at what is your core value that you're going to be happy sitting with for a long time because you don't want to you don't want to change your core value every few years that that gets sloppy. Yeah, and it doesn't feel honest. Right. Exactly. And so you want to you want to build honesty in as part of your business, you got to think about what, what are those things that align with you and the brand? What does that look like? And then you go, okay, well, these things aligned with that. And that's how you get people to appreciate and value what you're doing because they share the value with you. They go, oh yeah, I love, I love elephants. I want to see them happy and healthy and not being shot. Like that's, that would make me super happy. 
and that mm. and then that's what you do that's your mission you go okay well every whatever 10 days that you make an improvement on your carbon footprint we donate to an elephant estuary that protects them you know and so you think about those and how do you connect it and how that works together and then that's that becomes a core so every product you release it shares that value it somehow benefits that mission because people get behind missions mm-hmm. they you know product is a product but they get the story and the, the story yeah and if you're involved in the story everybody loves a story where you're in it right <laughs> any story that involves me i'm definitely a fan of so any way that you can have your customer be part of that story makes you have that connection and and obviously you want to do it in a conscious way you want to do good things and that's mm-hmm. that's how you align really well and then you you figure out what are the features that are going to work with that demographic what do they what do they like beyond you know saving the elephants what else do they what else do they care about what else is going to track for them because it needs to be practical it needs to actually do what you promise it's going to do you know it's got to be a, a usable product right but no one use a product if nobody buys it and people are buying things that they believe in they buy into missions they believe in and so that's if you think about that first then you have this really nice foundation to build right. other products around Oh my god! Like the marketing comes natural after that too, right? Because like the marketing goes off of your mission and everything from there. You don't have to make anything up. You just exactly right. I mean, the the trick to good marketing is you just have a good story and it's true, so you don't have to make up stuff. You just tell your story as you go. You go, oh well, we worked on this. This is our product launch. We got a hundred thousand people bought it. We were able to save fifty elephants. We did this. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just becomes. You still have to be a storyteller, but you don't have. It's not the same as like we have to figure out what good things we did to be able to tell people. You just tell people what you're doing, and it happens to be you know in alignment to what you told everyone. You said, "Oh, we're going to save elephants." Oh, look, we saved some elephants. Right? It just becomes that's the thing, and yeah, maybe it's a carbon carbon footprint measuring device maybe it's coral reefs that you're measuring yeah we saved pounds and pounds of coral reef from you guys collectively we've we've reduced a thousand tons of co2 congratulations uh, right (laughs) thank you for wait wait wait, hold on so thank you for role-playing uh with us because really your process like was for me was self-reflective as like okay what do i really want to uh create and have like you know cause a change or an impact within a person as an individual but then also as a group or a community but then also i really appreciated that there was a connection to really just core values and morals on like how to make a a community a better place from a you know design perspective or business perspective so i really appreciate that thank you oh thanks yeah it's it has to be about you too i mean that's if you're the one that brings the idea it's your idea and it's not it might it's my job to facilitate the idea coming to reality in the most successful way possible it's not to 
take your idea and go, oh, that's great. We're going to throw that away. And here, <laughs> how about this idea? Right. I got a new one for you. Like that, right. that defeats the point. And it's not, it's not helpful. And I, I'm here to help people not, not smash ideas and then present my own <laughs> as your idea. Exactly. So as far as helping people, this brings another, yet another great segue. So we're trying to decide if this segment we're calling hot fire questions or the on the spot questions. So which one do you think sounds better? Cause we're taking votes on this at this point. <laughs> on the spot is probably better. The other one sounds more like a roasting. Okay. Ah, I, I wouldn't have thought about that. So what are we? We're two and two? Yeah, we're two and two right now. So oh, man, not a tiebreaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so are you ready for some on-the-spot questions? Perfect. All right. So here are my on-the-spot questions. What is your favorite product you've worked on so far? Damn it, Brian. Uh, lightsabers. Awesome. Definitely lightsabers. What's the best <laughs> advice you've ever gotten? ever gotten um i think probably the best advice i've ever been told is you only lose if you quit what is the worst advice you've ever gotten Mm, that one i don't have a good answer for that one that's probably a good thing then. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't gotten that. I remember I haven't gotten too much terrible advice, or I've I, or I've chosen to ignore it, and I, I don't. <laughs> at this point. Fair enough. All right, if you if you come up with something, feel free to let me know. But I I'm glad that you haven't gotten terrible advice. A business leader you look up to. Um, and I really the couple are probably. I listen to a lot of Tim Ferriss and then um, he's probably the one that I listen to the most. And then I do Tony Robbins has been pretty helpful for some stuff too. So they're, you know, not super business business, but I find business is impacted by a lot of other things. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Um, a product that you wish you could work on. Um, yeah, I, I would love to work on any of the autonomous uh, flying taxi projects. Those look pretty cool or anything space related, I'm trying to get into aerospace. Awesome. And last one for me, because I'm thinking Jerome probably has a couple. Uh, yes. See, you, I took, you took two of them. Well, maybe this will be the third that I take from you. Um you're a product designer i know that's where you kind of started a favorite designer when it comes to product making oh um and i really enjoy familiar with eames there there's the eames chair they're Mm -hmm. they're famous designers they have some pretty cool stuff uh from a long time ago uh and then i always appreciate johnny ives he he did a fantastic job with apple all right Tag so, all right one way you personally live more sustainably uh one one way um uh we all like we always turn off our lights we recycle i've recycled since i was a kid um we don't we are very careful with our food not throw food away things like that so really a lot of just like little little daily things that at least I hope add up 
at some point. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it definitely it, it will make a change. And then one thing, because from our conversation, I really just felt like you just kind of like followed your dreams. So, what is one tip you have uh, for the world to follow their dreams? One advice. I I think it's really be clear about what you actually want to achieve, and then from there, it's it's a lot easier to figure out what you should be doing to get there, and that's. Mm. You know, I was very clear from a young age what I wanted to achieve and I'm on my way. And so people that if you're not clear, you can't get there. You can't you can't achieve your your dream if you're not super clear. So my advice is to get really clear, decide what it is and and move towards it. 2020 vision. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. 2020. So many and, meetings now. Yeah. So many layers upon layers. That's like a Pandora's box to say now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You never know how somebody's going to react when you say 2020. Like somebody's either going to break down or somebody's going to say something positive. Like yeah. it's yeah. like a careful line to cross when you say 2020. Let's let's wait 30 years. Maybe in 2050, we can say 2020 and it'll be. It'll be <laughs> So. <laughs> yeah so first of all definitely want to thank you for your time uh we really appreciate everything that you're doing because you're doing things that are going to have a long-term impact i'm going to steal your own words you're definitely headed in that direction so that's really awesome before we get to our plus delta of the ended view there anything of course with your podcast and your book that you want to plug for our listeners to look into and follow yeah i feel free to look up just conscious design podcast um it's distributed everywhere including youtube and then if anybody interested in the book just consciousdesignbook.com there's a little info about it and it's released on amazon so it'll be purchasable by the time this episode goes live Woo! Congrats! Thank you. It's yeah. been a journey. It's been fun. It's definitely very exciting. I know. I always said I'm going to write a book, and then I stop. So good for you for actually taking the time. Oh, it's nice. It's once you get going. It's if it's something you actually enjoy. Once you get going, mm-hmm. you just you'll end up keeping keep on going, and you'll you'll get there. So. I don't feel bad. I know people have taken like three years to write a book. So it's whatever it takes. If it's something you want, just do it. Listen, that might have just been the kick I needed. So thank you. (laughs) Um, Now we're, of course, at the Plus Delta part of Plus Delta. So share with us and our listeners, what are your Plus and Delta? Again, that being a positive and a change that you want to see either from the conversation or the world etc yeah i mean for a positive it's it's really nice to see you know more and more people coming coming and talking to me that already are wanting to have some sort of positive change like that just seeing that shift has been really it's been really great because there's a lot of you know negativity around you know the world is ending we're on fire it's all bad and so mm-hmm. it's, it's nice to have that that positive of, oh, there are people that actually do care. And it's been amazing <laughs> doing 
doing podcasts, talking about my book and how well it's been received and how everybody I've talked to like, this is amazing. We're so happy you're doing this. And it's just nice to see that positive side. Um, In the book, I stayed away from negative things because like we have enough of that. And so it's just nice to see there's other people that agree with that. They're like, oh, this is awesome. Let's do positive, positive things. Let's let's aim to that. So it's, it's just really nice to see that I'm not alone <laughs> and there there's a, yeah for sure you know, we're, we're, we're actually there is a large group of people aiming towards positive um and then the delta for me is just continuing this change of let's be aware let's let's be socially conscious let's you know conscious capitalism is is a, a buzzword going around that people are are being more aware of and I think it's just we need to keep going. We're not there yet. Like this is, this is an ongoing long-term <laughs> change and mm-hmm. plan and, and we can't stop. Stopping is bad. So, you know, it's really just, let's keep that change. Let's keep moving towards it. Let's be more conscious. I'd love to see, you know, I'd love to see my book take off and other people are doing it and I just become normal like that. That would be amazing for me you know, is to have other people go, yeah, let's, let's think about things. Let's be conscious and mm. not ignore all the things we've been ignoring for decades right. and uh, actually do better, make better products, be more conscious about it. So that would, that would be the Delta I'd love to see. I love it. That's just uh, so much positivity. Thank you so much again, Ian. We appreciate you and we'll be back t- after we find our ray of positivity and hope. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Hey, Brian, I have something to show you. What? All right. So take a look at this product. What do you think when you see this? So I am looking at a text from your husband. No, not that. No, I know. But he blocked the picture for a moment because, <laughs> it, you know, so it is a picture for those of you that can see it. It is a picture of... A, what looks like a toothpaste ad, but it is a very stereotypically drawn black person uh, with very, very white teeth in a giant mouth. So, I guess my first thought is, how old is this picture that it was acceptable to have this ad? So, this is actually current, well, last year current, uh, back in 2020, got pulled off the shelves. Oh. Of China um, and Hong Kong, Beijing, and um, what's the other place that's really big that has the bun? I can't think of it. Um, but anyways, um, Shanghai, Shanghai. Gotcha. So, yeah, I would have thought this was like maybe here in the U.S. I mean, I do see side by side. So the other one does have what I'm assuming is Chinese. I'm never good at telling the characters apart. Um, so I guess I could have picked up on that. But yeah, that looked like it might have been like an American ad back in like the 20s or before then. It so, was. Yeah. So as, that's crazy. As far as my knowledge, and someone can fact check me on this, is that... And we'll post a picture we're talking about, by the way, so you know what it is yes, that we're so, looking at. And so this product is called Darling. It is a Colgate company a toothpaste product. And that the Darling that was in black and white was removed back in the 50s. Um, and it shows a black face, uh, person that is smiling, uh, very wide. And you can definitely tell that, the, um, the features that was on this product 
Um, also, you see the product in China as well. And when I visited China, I saw this product and I was all like, hmm, this should be off of the shelves, but we know there is ignorance uh, in terms of colorism uh, within our society, uh, especially when you're talking about uh, the global uh, citizens uh, mm -hmm. within that. Which, when Ian, of uh, which he was, oh, he was adorable, he was awesome, cute, and <laughs> so knowledgeable of the design and I really like his whole aspect of the conscious uh, design. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Which we're going to talk about that later on. It's just that the when he was talking about making packaging that isn't uh, racist or, you know, in some sort of way, have some t sort of bias. That's the first one of the first things that came to my mind. And then so going back to his idea of the conscious design, which raises this question that I want to ask you. Should companies or products be responsible uh, for social responsibility? <laughs> we just talked about me not breathing so hard and then that's the first thing that I do. Jesus. <laughs> um, and you did it twice. Right. So I think yes and no. So I think yes because we as a society look to our products and their advertisements to kind of see where society is at now. So as we progress, we know the certain ads we either figure out or finally admit that they were not acceptable. So we start getting rid of them and like rebranding and whatever. But at the same time, I feel like that comes from within us as well. So it's great that companies are taking the responsibility of making things more socially acceptable, if that's the word that I'm looking for. Right. However, in the longer run, society is going to do what society is going to do. So I think if we want to see true change, yes, brands and companies should do that. But I don't think it is the responsibility. I think it is our responsibility to manage that, if that makes sense. So I, I agree with you and I disagree with you because I feel like that all the personal responsibility has been left up to the consumer on what we choose, on what we want to buy and what we want on a purchase. And I get that from an individual level. Yes, it is our responsibility. Where, our money, where should we spend our money? And I think that that type of conscious decision first came to mind for me when I started buying Lush products. Have you ever been to Lush? Mm -hmm. Okay, so for our listeners, just in case you haven't uh, seen a Lush, it is a beauty, uh, health, uh, personal care uh, store that uh, really invests in products that is eco-friendly, environmentally friendly, and also have a lot of social awareness. Usually the type of people that you see in there is people who are very uh, conscious of their health, of their health, their environment, the um, what goes into our bodies as well as how the products we use uh, affect the animals in, in the environment. I want, I know it was one of the first things I saw that had a very like cruelty-free um, label on all their packaging 
and design and even like the tin cans uh, that they package their um, products in is environmentally friendly. So from that standpoint, I think that is where, oh, this company made a conscious decision on we're going to give back to our consumers in a way that is going to be environmentally friendly. And I think it made the consumers also aware like, hey, I can choose to go and use these type of products. And then so what follows is that maybe more companies try to do that as well. But are they doing that just as a marketing uh, ploy or tactic? Or are they really trying to invest into what social responsibilities in times uh, in terms of like you know uh, eco friendly yeah. uh, things? So I guess following through with what we talked about with Ian because we were talking about more specifically tangible products. Right. I think that's very much true, and I agree with everything you've said. Um. But I, when I think of brands and products and companies, I also think of companies and products that provide, for lack of a better word, services or entertainment and things like that as well. So to give you an example, what I was thinking about was recently we know that the head coach of the Raiders stepped down, John Gruden, and following that, the Bucks, who had... A, I forget exactly what John Gruden's position with the Bucks was, but he was successful there. So, but they recently removed his name from their ring of honor, and I went very back and forth with that decision because I do agree that as a human being, John Gruden needed to be held accountable for the actions that he did. So, if I believe there was like homophobic and racist comments that he had posted on emails or whatever else, I don't remember the exact details of the story. So, I think as a person, he needs to be held accountable to fix those things or be punished for those things. However, whatever the process needs to follow, because again, I know some of the story, but I don't know the entire thing. But at the same time, as far as like removing him from that. Ring of Honor or whatever it's called from the Bucks Stadium. I don't know that I agree with that because he was not put up there, to my understanding, for who he was as a person, but who he was as a player or as a coach. Again, I I don't follow the Bucks too in depth, so I don't know exactly what his role was there. But in that aspect, the athlete and the person, I find like they're two separate things. And I think, like, for example, that was also seen on the other end of the spectrum with Colin Kaepernick as he tried to create some positive social change, but because it caused issues for the good or the bad with the media and the values and all that, he has now been kind of shunned as a player and hasn't been allowed to come back and play. So I think when we connect the social job or social role that we as people have versus their social role that brands have, I think that can cause a problem. I, I feel the same way with like when people decide, oh, I'm going to start boycotting this person's movies and whatever. And I get that because you don't want somebody that did something wrong to keep getting profit off of you. But at the same time, 
do you stop enjoying a talent that was provided by somebody because of what they did in their personal life? Um, the example that I'm thinking of was when there was issues with Kevin Spacey of like people, oh, I'm not going to watch House of Cards anymore. I'm not going to watch all these other things that he's in anymore. And I'm going to boycott all of that altogether because of what he did or not do. I think the allegations ended up never pulling through or whatever the proper terminology for that is. But the point of it is what he contributed as an actor versus what he possibly did wrong in his personal life, I think are separate. Like his personal actions need to be punished, but I, as somebody that enjoys watching a show or a movie, don't need to be punished and no longer be able to watch that for what he did wrong in his personal thing. So... All to circle back and say, yes, if we're trying to make the environment better, if we're trying to make sure that we pass on a positive message and image and whatever, then yes, tangible products and those companies need to make sure that they're responsible for the environment. But as a holistic thing, what we as people do can sometimes be separated from for lack of better words, the art form. I don't know if that makes sense. So one thing that I <clears throat> gathered from what you said was that I think that I'm hearing that you're looking from it from an individual perspective of your examples that you were given about canceling personal people because they're personal choices that they have made and decisions versus I'm thinking of a of a company because right it, right because within a company there is not just one person always making right all the absolutely decisions. right there's always like there's a chain there's a chain of command there's also you have like a supply group you also have all these different teams that make up this company mm -hmm. so i feel like some of the things that have been passed along sometimes it it gets egregious of them to dismiss what are some things that is socially acceptable or not. Let's say for example of, I'm gonna use the Darley um, toothpaste. I mean, I wonder why it took so long until 2020 to like, oh, we should, this is not mm -hmm. socially acceptable. Or, I mean, I know we can go back to the uh, Aunt Jemima, Miss Butters, Buttersworth uh, type of packaging. But I'm just even, even looking more into if we are putting our money and our investments into these companies that are not giving back to its people, when I would say like people in terms of the community, in terms Correct. of employers, and they're making all of these decisions because we know that they have also influencing in other areas in terms of the political atmosphere. I think that there needs to be some type of equity, some type of balance. I mean, I know that we can talk about like ESG funds, which just let people know, this is from NerdWallet, what ESG funds are. They are portfolios, equities, or bonds, which environmental social government factors have been integrated into the investment process. This means equities and bonds contained in the funds have been passed stringent tests on how sustainable the company or government is regarding in its ESG criteria. So what that pretty much means is that there is a rating that is given to these companies on how they're affecting the environment, how social responsible they are, and their 
government uh, factors as Mm -hmm. well. So I'm thinking about that if we're investing in these companies by spending our money, that they have some sort of accountability as well because the decisions that they make affect us as what decisions that we make no. in terms of their profit right. affects them. So it's kind of like I, a no, uh, absolutely. check balance. Right, absolutely. So to kind of like reconnect what my example was with what you're saying as far yeah. as like the whole company and all the teams and how that plays on. So I think that's kind of like the difference with as John Gruden gets dismissed as head coach because okay. at that time he was the face of the company, you know, like being the head coach so he was that face so we need to remove him right okay. right so yes he needs to no longer be here because he his values do not align with our values same thing with the washington football team removing the redskins because that right. that's unacceptable we want to make sure that we're providing that branding that's correct because we're profiting from this thing I so we, we need to fix that but on the other end Again, forget if he was a coach in the Bucks or a football player for the Bucks, but okay, that doesn't mean he wasn't a good football player or a support to the stuff then, in that instance. Same thing with Colin Kaepernick on the other end of the spectrum. Sure, he's causing us some social media money problems, so we've got to remove him, but he should still be talked about as a good athlete because he was, in fact, a good athlete. So now being given the opportunity to showcase what he can do as an athlete, regardless of what he did for the social world, I think that's where there's that disconnect. It reminds me of Dr. Premier's class. What did he say? He said, like, character over, in terms of the law, it was, um... Oh. I know, but I say, if he's listening right now, he's all like, I'm I'm ashamed you forgot about this. But isn't it, like, your character stance versus the law and what it says yeah I, I forget the exact wording of it too yeah, but yeah it, it was something along those lines of what would you do versus what the law says you should do and like that like back and forth kind of thing of okay you might not like what this is but if that's what the law is do you, do you still abide by it or does your character go above the law so yeah I, I know where you're kind of going with that um, but if you allow me, I would like to change gears for a moment. Change, change gears, change our mind. So, we're going to change gears from the social things that we need to do to the personal things that you need to do. And that is, I need you to learn how to listen. <laughs> what? Because when we had our interview with Ian, of course, you had one of your famous role plays yes. where we said, okay, you know what? I want to talk about a product that I'm going to make and then you can ask me the questions and we did the whole role play. Right, 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 right. So I wrote this down and I'm so glad I did so I can come back to this. Okay. Because as we were going through the role play and I kind of jumped in a little bit too, he asked the question, would you buy this? And I had answered the question of would I buy it and I said yes, no, and then we went on from there. And then you gave in your two cents about something, and then about half. I said no. And then no, and then hang on, and then about halfway through that, you stopped and you're like, "Oh wait, but let's go back because we never answered your question of would we buy it, but we did answer that question. You were just not listening to what I said, so you're like, okay, let me backtrack because I'm so sorry. We never answered your question, bitch. Yes, we did. 
You're really pointing out that is a huge personal affliction that you're putting upon me, and uh, <laughs> I can't believe that you. Well, really no, listen, that. listen. We just, we, we just. I know. It's just funny because we just met up with Robert, yes, we, like all of us together yesterday too, and we talked about how you like half-ass listen to what you're being told. Yes. And it's funny because you thought that we didn't respond to something because you didn't personally pay attention to the response. So that doesn't mean that it didn't happen. So I need you to get it together and pay attention when we're talking about things. Okay, is, is that your plus delta? <laughs> <laughs> sure. My delta is Jerome facts are Jerome facts because he have listens to it. So if you ever disagree with something Jerome said, just wait a minute because he'll probably disagree with himself and change his mind halfway through. So okay. So just, just be ready for your Jerome facts. That's my delta, I guess. <laughs> I wasn't going to make it that, but since you asked me, I'm going to make it that. Uh, my plus is our guest, Ian, and the Peterman Peter Peter method that he's doing in his book and podcast with Conscious Design and the way that he's running his company to do that. That's definitely my plus because as much as I like giving you the back and forth of the opposite view, just because I think it's interesting, I definitely agree that we need to head in that direction. Uh, we don't need to be just talking about here is what's going to make me money right now. And I'm doing this for myself because in the end, if I'm trying to sell a product to society, I need society in order to be successful. It's not all of my doing that made me successful. It is the fact that people bought what I made. It's people shared what I made. What you're and saying, don't leave it up to the individual? So what I'm saying is, yes, the individual can accomplish a lot, but the individual cannot accomplish everything. So making sure that if we're creating a product, if we're creating a brand, if we're creating anything in which we're putting out into the world, we need to be conscious of the world. So whether that's, again, with the design of sustainability, whether that's the design of social justice, Whatever it may be, we need to not look at just here. This is awesome right now, but we need to make sure that we're thinking about how this is going to stand in the future. So thank you, Ian, for doing all that. Make sure, and I, I'll let Jerome throw that on there, but because I'm so impressed with Ian and his work, make sure that you check out his book and podcast, Conscious Design. And yeah, shout out, Ian. Yes. I was going to say for my plus was that I really enjoyed talking with Ian because it reminded me of that staying hold fast to uh, your dreams and your ideas and how your ideas will affect others. Um, I really appreciated his efforts that he's putting in into making the community in our world a better place through really kind of like the back end of through packaging, through business, through supply uh, chains. So keep on doing what you're doing, man. And so for my Delta would be invest in your employees, invest in yourself and the gifts that you have. Also checking out uh, ESG investments. I think that since we're getting older, especially the millennial generation, I think that we need to look into uh, the ESG uh, investing and the benefits that it has you know getting the high returns and it has lower risk as mm -hmm. well so just looking into that you know 
we we know that money makes the world go round and <laughs> for sure yeah so make sure that you look into that and see what uh types of investments you want to make with that being said make an investment into us yes yeah so you can reach us at instagram or twitter at plus delta pod facebook plus delta podcast please like subscribe wherever you at rate review give us feedback we love to hear it because we're teachers and we always get feedback 24 7 on what we do so <laughs> it you know just make the world go round all right so i will see y'all later as robert not robert sorry brian as brian has his feet in my area uh signing off <laughs> <laughs>